Hello there, and welcome to The Cargo Bay, a Star Wars conversation podcast being transmitted to you from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I am Brady C. here with my co-host, recently returned from his beach vacation on Imperial-occupied Neomos. Ah, it's me, Adam B., all relaxed. How you, you doing, are looking. Man, I, I wish I was as relaxed as you. Looks like you had a good time on Imperial Occupied Nemo. You know, it's my favorite kind of beach where you're at the beach but the sun's still not out. Ooh, love it. It's my it's my favorite kind of beach where it definitely feels like you're on a British coastline and there's no actual <laughs> beach. You're just watching the waves roll in, yeah, like sitting on stairs. as you're sitting on concrete. <laughs> <laughs> it is truly like uh, the only time I've been out of the country. I was in Liverpool when I was like 17, and uh, I love I like cloudy skies. I, I really do. Mm. That's not a joke. Mm. Uh, I, although yeah. at the beach might want a sunny day here or there a little e- bit even someone a little like bit of me. sun but when yeah. i saw one of those sections where it's literally just like bleachers that allow you to watch the cold water slapping into the bottom of the bleachers i was like man this is this is bleak <laughs> that is an imperial <laughs> occupied beach even That's if what i'm that not going to get into the water i want to i want to know that i could get into the water I want to know that it's a possibility, and also that the water seems like it's something that I would want to get into. Yeah. yeah. Which, uh, uh, one, uh, quick, diver- uh, you know, sidetrack. I'm generally not psyched about getting in the ocean to begin with, yeah. just because it's a terrifying world of uh, evil things that could harm you. Yeah. I can only imagine it's it's that much scarier. In the Star Wars universe. Oh yeah, good think, of, think of those ocean creatures. Yeah, because they're already spooky. I I used to uh, I used to be a major bodyboarder man <laughs> when I when I first Ooh. moved out to California. Yeah, uh, brother. <laughs> but me and my buddy Jason were going out like every weekend for a couple summers, or, or at least it felt like every weekend. Um, we'd go out there getting the waves, and then I stepped on something called a stargazer. Which is a terrifying creature, and it's very painful to step on. Um, truly horrendous experience. So I, I've only been back out in that water maybe two, three times in the three years since then. I got a little spooked myself of that that undersea grossness. That's what we yes. need. We need a planet Earth, but a Star Wars series where every episode is a different... Uh, Creature Effects series. Come <laughs> on, that's a million dollar idea right there. Yeah, get old, get old, Mister Attenborough to do a little uh, narration yeah, over that'd it. Yeah, be sick. Ooh, ooh, ooh. What? Oh, I, we're I, right here, Disney. I, I, Let us know when you want our ideas. <laughs> I got another one, PC. Steve, oh, go, 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 go. Steve Carell plays Doctor Pershing's assistant. <laughs> oh. Is he a zany assistant, or is it a Steve Carell down-to-earth It's a down-to-earth performance where he just kind of makes that face that Dr. Pershing already makes a lot. That's why they're a good, that's why they're a good pair. Just a couple of starey boys. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> well, ideas abound, ideas aplenty here today. Uh, we are going to be exploring some of the wonderful ideas in Episode 7, Announcements from Andor, uh, which... I am looking forward to uh, talking about. We're going to do sort of a a top five. We've we've prepared a top five favorites list from this particular episode. This is more of a standalone. It seems like as opposed to a big three episode arc, which we're about to go into. I think this kind of sets the stage nicely. Yeah, I think we're before we do that. Oh, sorry, no, sorry no, no. Before we do that, PC, I don't want to be punished. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> If you guys only knew how how much I have to chastise my co-host when we're off air, um, genuinely <laughs> concerning, genuinely concerning behavior. Uh, I was just gonna say, uh, if you're listening to this, make sure you give us the the five star review hey. on whatever service you're listening to this on. Uh, make sure you're subscribing. Please uh, tell your friends, tell your moms, tell your paws. We beg uh, you. We're begging at this point. Um, and also, if you're checking out the podcast, we do have a YouTube oh, yeah. uh, channel, which we're streaming live on right now. Uh-huh. So we're doing a little cross-platforming here uh, where we do exclusively our, our hobby talk, where we talk about Star Wars trading cards, games, uh, comic books, action figures, all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, so check that out as well. Just wanted to plug those various things where you can just... 
put thumbs up and five stars and just like everything and subscribe to everything. <laughs> it's a wonderful world we live in. Yeah, we do. We would we would appreciate that very much, BC. Um, uh, we also have an email we don't check, so we're, I, I probably won't. I'm not going to plug that. Yeah, we say that. <laughs> we've been saying that the last two months. <laughs> I, I swear I will check it this month. I'm just so certain there's nothing in there, but I should do the. I should do the due diligence. It's where check. Disney will have emailed us the like. Here's your offer sheet for creative executive positions with Star Wars. It's there's a there's a two week time limit on this offer, and we'll be like no. <laughs> I believe it. Um, I wouldn't even really be that upset because that's just kind of how my life unfolds. <laughs> like I'd be very upset. Very brand. <laughs> I would be incredibly upset. Well, let's not think incredibly. about it. Let's just check the dang email. I, maybe, <laughs> maybe it won't be too late. Um, DC, yeah. before we well, get into our top five, though, do you want to generally say if we like the episode or not? Uh, I will generally say I effing loved this episode. Probably yeah, my favorite one so far. Yeah, uh, hard hard to beat BC. Um, I I had some some issues the first time I watched it, but I watched mm-hmm. it late at night, and I may have had a beverage or two. And and on a, upon a rewatch, I was like, no, that was you being stupid, not the show being <laughs> stupid. <laughs> That but, warm milk really got to you. Yeah, huh? yeah, knocked me right out. I've had the nods from my milky, um, the sleepy milks. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> I'd rather drink a Camtona a Dray milk than have a little bit of sleepy milk. You want a little warm sleepy milk? <laughs> but uh, I still, I still loved it, even though I was um, uh, slightly confused on occasion. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, BC, uh, uh, when you is, say confused, uh, unpack your uh, initial confusion it, just a little bit. It was mostly the inner cutting, and by the way, full spoilers, get out of here. Um, get on out, get on out now, <laughs> run away. Mostly the inner cutting between Cassian uh, reliving Clem's um, yeah. death and whatever yeah, yeah, was yeah. happening. And then also, I just thought it was way too funny that he was, when he's shirtless, he's kind of like got his crotch right up against that box. He's just like in a weird position, and I thought it was definitely funnier and weirder than it was on rewatch. (laughs) I was like, what is he doing over there? (laughs) Come on. What are you doing with that box on your crotch? What's going on? What's but, going on, Boxcatch? But overall, what I'm trying to get to, Brady, is this is what I've like dreamed of for Star Wars yeah. and imagined Star Wars having the capability yeah. of doing. And then I just thought it would never happen because, as I said before, it takes so much, like, you know, it takes great writing and excellent performances to pull something off like this, where we now have the Star Wars universe as a background to character drama versus mm-hmm. the other way around <laughs> like uh it's, it's the star it's wars the universe yeah with characters yeah, with stuff you can care about <laughs> yeah. um and yeah i i loved it uh, absolutely like this is this is something i've dreamed of and truly did not think would occur like even when i saw the trailer for andor and i was like oh this looks a lot better than i well, you know expected i'm getting excited about this i didn't think i still didn't think we were going to get this level of like we're going to get an hour long episode with no laser fire <laughs> like all right now we're talking uh i mean this i listen we're going to be heaping uh, obviously a lot of praise on oh, this yeah. and we have been we're the cargo bay is full of we are we're full on andor stands this is like there's um so i will try to bring in a, a little i'm going you ready for me to get negative yeah. about this you want me to get negative i'm ready bc andor <laughs> we need it for the clicks. i thought i thought some of the the actual cassian andor stuff was just okay. Uh huh. Yeah. That's as dark yeah, as I'm I mean, gonna go. Really. Yeah. I. It was. It was more from my my general expectation was like, oh, I don't know that he needs to be going back to Ferrix. I predicted um, it though. You sure did. You sure did. But and part of my thing was like, well, how did he? How did he get there? If they're Imperial occupied, it seems like he's got he's got money. He's got resources. Like I can I can explain that away. Um, yeah. 
it just was it was like okay well he's there i'm glad he got there just for the marva of it all uh-huh, uh, yeah. if i'm if i'm being honest that's that's a highlight for me um but just some of his stuff uh, i i think was overshadowed by how good everything else was yeah. in this episode um so i mean e- even though it's it's the andor show um i i think the highlights were in every other portion of this which were I would exceptional as as opposed to okay yeah um so it, to yeah, me it was like you. the andor storyline was like okay cool we're, we're we're going on that journey but i was like get me back to the weird isb plot line get me back to karn get me back to mon moth like there were just so many other things that were so <laughs> good about it that i just thought andor as our as our hero was was kind of a not a highlight for th- me personally. I think we might get a lot of that as the series goes on, just in that Andor is our classic Star Wars character, um, stuck in this like you know, this this genre that he's not mm-hmm. you know, getting to show off in by being the action star all the time. Um but yeah, the, yeah. the, the first time I watched this that was something too where Again, like I, I was intoxicated enough that my perception was different enough to be like, not only is this a little boring, this is bad and cheesy. And when I rewatched it, I was like, no, it's really not. Like, it's not yep. bad and cheesy. I just, I tend to have those over critical like reactions to anything <laughs> if I'm not in my sober brain, BC. Uh, well, and the other thing too is like, it's these are these are really dense. I mean yeah. the the plot and the dialogue and and the like the the bureaucratic sort of talk that happens in this like this is a you there's a close watch that is needed for this that my brain is not always ready for when I pop it on at like as soon as I wake up on Wednesday morning yeah. so like following some of it is a little bit harder um I would say which is not a bad thing I I like the complexity of of the show i i like that it that on a second watch it only gets better for me which has largely been my experience when it's not like oh i've got to do i've got to type a, an outline or whatever for three episodes it's like if i'm just re-watching it to rewatch it i'm usually like this is even better than the first time i watched it yeah <laughs> uh which i've i've loved because it it does have a really good rewatch factor. The second time I watched this episode, I was like, "Man, this is basically perfect." I have uh, very few negative things, if yeah. any, to say at all. Like all, all of the sort of misgivings I had about casting the story, I was like, "Whatever, this is great." Yeah, it, <laughs> you know, <I> was like <laughs> the show is really good at. Um, I I hate when I am ahead of the show and I know where we're going and they take a long time to get there. Uh, yeah, like that happens a lot in Star Wars. This was, again, I would have preferred he not go back to Ferrix as well, um, but I thought that's what was going to happen. And, yeah, they were quick about it, but not messy. It's like, <laughs> we did get some, okay, yeah, they want you gone. Let's not have yeah. a three-episode arc on Ferrix. You Instead, can't be let's here. have a three-episode prison here. arc, which, great. Yeah. Let's have let's yeah. have the prison show for, for three Fs. That sounds great. <laughs> I mean, he's going to be in there for the next six years. There's no escaping. What's he going to do? <laughs> well, VC, one thing he can ruminate over for those next six years are our top five lists. <laughs> we, we're talking top five of anything that we want, right, VC? Any ding-dang-darn thing we want to talk about, it's, a, it's a, a way for us to get into talking about all of the things we loved about episode seven of Andor announcements directed by Benjamin Caro and written by Stephen Schiff. Shout out, creative people. Nice work, y'all. VC, uh, should we start with the, the thing we both have on our lists? The person, rather? <laughs> you mean my numero uno? That's right, VC. The, the top of the pops, my number one, the lady who lives in my heart, the queen of the galaxy, the senator of all senators, that's right, baby. We're talking Mon Mothma. Uh, Ooh. Wild. Ooh. Has she been around since episode three, VC, this actress? Yes. She was, I believe she was, her scene was cut out of episode three. So she has been cast as Mon Mothma since like 
2004 Wild. or something like that. I, I just said actress, which is something I almost never do. We're beyond actress now. Everybody's just actors, right, BC? Is that... I think so. Okay, think yeah. Well, usually I don't do this, yeah. so I'm sorry I gendered that. But BC, she's a, she's a beautiful woman. She's a powerful lady. I just can't believe you, you get cast to stand around in episode three, maybe had one line that was cut. I think in an interview I I heard her say that or something, you know, that like... yeah. And then, you know, through fate and craft and whatever else, we get to this point where it's like, oh, you're the most capable actor in this show. <laughs> like, you're really, really good. <laughs> she is, I, I mean, it's an exceptional journey to have as, like, an actor to be like, my big break, I got cast as, as Mon Mothma in a basically non-speaking role in Star Wars. Like, the <laughs> fact that I, I get to be a part of that to begin with is amazing. And then probably having no expectations outside of that, right? Like, yeah. okay, well, that was a fun thing that I did. And they're like, hey, we're going to make a, a Rogue One movie that's about right before the Death Star. We want you to come back as Mon Mothma. It's like, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah why not? yeah i'd love to do that and then they're like hey you know how you were in rogue one we're now gonna do a show that uh, you're gonna be basically one of the lead characters in as mon mothma like that journey from like extra to like crushing ass in an amazing star wars tv show yeah. is like a dream come true has to be because she's she's getting all sorts of amazing scene work to do in this that like supersedes the hype of you know revenge of the sith scene that was on the cutting room floor all (laughs) that sort of stuff to like hey this is legitimately one of the best things that's happening right now also fun fact as i'm looking this uh she's the voice of moira in the game overwatch oh how about that that's wild didn't know that yeah fun stuff yeah, that's uh, she had more, many more lines as Moira than she had had as Mon Mon yeah. up to this point. And BC, up to that, this point, yeah. When she's, I mean, obviously the uh, the dinner party scene is excellent, oh. uh, wonderful stuff. But that that scene where she goes in to talk to Luthen, uh, and she's like, "You did this, you you crazy man." It's like I don't know, man. Um, that scene would not have half the impact that it does if it weren't for her just like killing it and having like a a full response to like the weight of <laughs> of the situation. I was just pretty full, blown away. Uh, a full response and a and a textured response too. Yeah, I, I I think again complexity is is going to be kind of my watchword for the day. Is that in the best possible way and that this show is is humanizing these characters so much that it's not it's not the simple good versus evil that yeah. we're used to like that there are and i think that's this is kind of one of the mission statements of this show is like that we need to show the cost the human cost of what all of this giant galaxy wide star war really is um and and the toll that that takes and and how that affects individuals so you see her and luthan obviously sympathetic to each other on the same side but having very different points of view about how how these things are happening um and how she's she is going to grow into the rebellion as opposed to luthan is in a different stage of the rebellion it's not always, hey, we're on the same page. We got to go blow up the Death Star. It's, are we are we terrorists? Are we? <laughs> yeah. Is this what we are? And it's kind of like, yeah, we needed that to happen, so we're we're terrorists now. Yeah, which is in a very real sense. That's uh the 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 uh, I don't know that it was it was handled perfectly well in Rebels or Clone Wars or whatever you know or to its fullest potential. But I was always fascinated by you know Saw and the the partisan whatever his yeah. partisan army it's like the the more terrorist versus the less terrorist aspect of uh of the rebellion is is great to me uh because you know uh, to to not that degree but there are a lot of movements that i care about having that kind of you know struggle with them themselves we just had the soup thrown on the van gogh protest Brady, which i've seen people on both sides of seemingly the same thing which is like 
hey, we really do need to get rid of fossil fuels and start thinking about how the planet is dying. But I saw responses to that from like Star Wars Twitter accounts that were like, these people should be hanged. And then I saw, you know, responses that were like, actually, this seems like it's a pretty effective way to get people talking. Like, um, so like, I, I like seeing that reflected in our rebellion of like, yeah, there's politics inside of the politics and it's probably going to be a miserable, uh, a miserable thing to get people to to agree to to any level much less to the point of like oh yeah we're gonna put our bodies on the line <laughs> yeah getting people to agree uh on anything at this point is uh real real pain in the keister <laughs> uh and it's it's nice it's again it's nice to see that reflected in a star war speaking to not just the you know the fantasy world that we live in but speaking to our reality as it relates to us the viewer like the the current day audience that that something of that is recognizable and reflected in our lives in a deep and uh, to me a uh, meaningful way which is why it's it's resonating so thoroughly yeah i think i think to me it's that scene is really good but the highlight my my mon mothma highlight is that dinner party scene yeah, it's rad. Which is one one of my favorite just dialogue scenes in the history of Star Wars. Just as like, oh yeah, the way the way that it's shot, moving through the party with her and what's his uh, oh what's his name, old blue cloak Tay, yeah, Tay Tay Colma. I felt uh, like I'd seen him in a Star Wars Senate chamber before, but I, I don't know. I don't possibly, know. um. Tay Colma of the Bank of Colma, uh, who is essentially, again, we, we, you know, you get this idea of of people being in different stages or or phases of what we would, I guess, would call the rebellion or or having sympathy towards uh, certainly anti-imperial sympathies. Um, but you know, he he's sort of noting, hey, my my personal political tastes are probably a little extreme for you, and she's like. Bitch, I'm Mon Mothma. What you're going to need to understand is that I'm probably a little farther afield than you think I am. But, like, the the way that she's revealing herself in that moment of, like, I know what everyone's perception of me is. But I need you to understand that something else is going on and you've got access to all of my family's money. I'm going to need to get my hands on that cheddar. Like, the fact that there's, one, there's a, a specific point about the scene of, of her having a clear objective of, like, I need to get my family's money. Two, feeling him out in terms of, okay, well, it's it's really hard for me being who I am to say, or it's, it's a risk for me to even say who I am because there's spies everywhere. I'm surrounded all the time. Just the, like, feeling out of that, the fact that it's taking place in this beautiful set. She's in this, like, immaculate star wars costume that looks amazing um i mean again it's the synthesis of all of those those design elements supporting an amazing scene that's well written and we've got is farron Go to cut to as well i oh. think is a key a key part of that is we we already know what a sleaze this guy is and he he does such a good job all you have to do is cut to him for a second and then there's Talk, your like danger. just lounging and like talking, you know, he's like, yes. ah, freaking Farron. But yeah, like the fact that the the interpersonal warmth that she has towards this old friend who she needs something from, but it definitely seems like it's like just divorce Farron and marry this guy. It seems like you're <laughs> gonna be much happier. Like I'm ready for the first Star Wars divorce episode at this point. Oh, you but know? then he could sink her. Yeah, he and uh, his daughter. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's, I don't know, it's, it was so good on, on so many subtle levels that it just weaved together so many amazing elements that I was just like, all right, I, I just was like gobsmacked by this episode and it's, it's simple things. It's as much as I love a good lightsaber fight on Mustafar <laughs> or Obi-Wan and Vader having a fight on a nameless planet that nobody cares about, like this is to me the most interesting version of star wars at the moment yeah I, i'm just in love with with what 
what these characters are doing and the relationships that they're having and the subtlety and the complexity and and the beautiful density of what all of these moments are and how well and carefully the story is being told yeah uh yeah it's bonkers uh, like it yeah the, the the daughter interrupting in the middle um and us not yes. knowing or not needing it explained right in our face what's happening like in that moment or like being left in the dark with mon mothma uh is good uh, i also i the last thing i wanted to say about her, her performance the construction of the character is Mon Mothma existed in Return of the Jedi to me and in Dark Forces growing up, and she's just kind of this otherworldly kind of like... It's I'm almost Mon like Mothma. ethereal. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, this, like, Mon Mothma, it still feels like, it feels like a totally real person, but someone who is unrelatable in that way of like, oh, you're just kind of on a different level. And she does seem to care about power more than her family. Uh, I could be wrong, but that's like kind of the kind of person who winds winds up as the figurehead of a movement, <laughs> like eventually, right? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of buy it, even though this is a much fuller, you know, characterization. Um, I do get when I watch Return of the Jedi. I'm not going to look at that Mon Mothman be like, there's no way we got from here to there. <laughs> like, you know, it's not like watching Anakin turn into Vader. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> not like watching. What the <laughs> hell happened there? <laughs> little boy, <Yeah. laughs> little boy, Jake Lloyd, uh, into full yeah. James Earl Vader. Um, uh, so a perfectly seamless transition. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, it is. Yeah. She is. She existed as a sort of very like, Almost like alien, like a, a alien humanoid, a sad figure, alien, know? yeah. So like pristine, sad royal alien, and yeah, and it's like oh, which was always kind of like she looks so interesting that I'm just like sure she's the leader of something, but now <laughs> it's like getting filling in that backstory. I'm like oh okay yeah I can I can I can see with the connective tissue going to to where we are are going to see her. And yeah. I can see her being so sad and ethereal out of, out of just like a <laughs> sense of loss. Do you think there's a chance this guy is a spy, BC? I, of course I do. Are you yeah, worried about this guy? Of course I'm worried about this guy. Any Anyone in Mon Mothma's orbit I'm worried about <laughs> because I don't want any harm to befall my, my wonderful Mon. Um, I feel very protective of Mon Mothma at this point, and I've, of course I'm worried about uh, our our new friend Takeholma uh, and his his access to all of her family's money. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm very worried. Uh, BC, while we're here on this party scene, if I can knock out a quick one of my top five, um, please. And I don't have mine in any particular order here, but I had extras and creatures. Um, and of course, there's some some great creatures in this episode. I, I like how they're being used, uh, and by creatures, mm-hmm. I mean aliens. So maybe you know, fully sentient beings and all that. Anyway, uh, but really, the extras, BC. Comparing the extras in this show to something like Obi-Wan, where it's like, you know what? I didn't have a thing. And it's also how it's shot, right? Like, that helps. But just the fact that that party sequence, there weren't extras that stood out to me and got in the way. It's the same when we're at the beach. Like, a character is only a character I wonder about if they're doing something interesting or look interesting instead of... I just feel like over the course of these volume shows, I've had a lot of like, yep, that guy was really excited to be there on the day. <laughs> like, yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Just really big reactions. Whoa! <laughs> <And like> Star <laughs> Wars! Which is what I would do. Um, I get it. No, I'm, I would, like, I'm <laughs> like, you better put a, you better put a mask on me because I'm just going to yeah. be like, the whole time but we don't have that in this show uh that there are lots of extras and they just make the world feel bigger um so shout out shout out to all the extras shout out to the people directing the extras like that party scene you better believe they spent some time with everybody who's in that scene at all you know i mean i i I was i mean i was just thinking about the the complexity of the scene itself and the way that it's blocked and staged and the way that it it moves throughout the space yeah so it's not just like you're not just in a room getting you know coverage and then reverse shots. Well, we can knock other. out like, another one of mine right here, VC, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. tracking shots. Uh, they're yeah. beautiful uh, tracking shots here and in the ISB, and they cut together sometimes. You know where we're 
following Mon Mothma to then following, uh, you know, someone down an ISB hallway. Uh, yeah, I, I think the the tracking shots in this are in in this being the the party scene are are particularly magnificent. Just just because of how how come again the complexity of it how how many moving parts there are to this you have a big set a big space that's being filled it's a party scene i can speak personally to how much of a pain it is to have to deal with just like if you're directing something and it's like okay there's a lot of bodies populating a a stage or a space or an area it's like okay there's a lot of coordination that goes into that before you can even get into like here's what the scene is about it's just like Okay, all of you bodies in the scene, we need we need to be on the same page in terms of tonally what's going on, what's happening here, before we can even start talking to you know, or speaking about what what the actual dialogue of the story is, because you have to set the the tone of that world and that the the party tonally was just like it's like this is a perfect mixer and it's not in your face. There's there's nothing like wild or crazy happening, and within that you start moving this scene. With Mon Mothma and and Tay, through like okay, now we have to have our sort of our spy thriller talk as we're moving throughout this kind of very, um, you know, very organized kind of party chaos. Uh, chaos is probably the wrong word, but there's a lot of, of of bodies in that space, and then you're moving the camera through that space as well. The shots that they get are beautiful, and the the performances are great too and it's all just upheld by by the world that's created around them in terms of the atmosphere of of the actual party the costumes the sets the lights i mean all of it is pristine to me i i it's have no tier, notes baby. on the party scene no notes on this scene the best we've ever gotten on on coruscant uh, yeah keep, i this was this is coruscant. i was gonna i was gonna honorable mention coruscant in general, yeah. Shout out, shout out to this new New oh. Yorkian sector of Coruscant. Yes. We're clearly like on a little separate part of the planet from the Jedi Temple, right? Um, where we've got this this uh, architecture. What, what what's it called? Um, it's like Art Deco. Yeah, yeah. It's much more Art Deco. Uh, although, I mean, I guess Coruscant is always Art Deco, but this is more pointy and sharp, and the other is more roundy over. <laughs> Yeah, roundy and roundier and glowier. <laughs> this feels this feels a little more like s- steel architecture. Yeah, it feels like, know, like the steel New and York concrete. Of... <laughs> that was like there was one shot specifically where I was like, is that did they just take footage from New York City? Yeah, and just like delete the streets and add a few well, pipes. Like, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's that was the exact feeling that I was like, oh, this feels very urban. You know, like this feels like a a very big city again it's a small thing but it feels it's still star wars but it feels very relatable to things that we as viewers know as as a relatable reality yeah yeah and it doesn't hurt the star wars of it go figure um yeah yeah it doesn't have to be like it doesn't have to be like we have to go star wars times 10 on this it's like no you can just say star wars and do a couple things, and then we'll buy it. But like one of the ones that was most like, okay, this is it's Star Wars, but it's the real world. Was it's just the Clea walking to her scene with Vel through oh, some yeah, of those yeah, things? Yeah, that's like, on my list. So uh, I mean, do we can that, knock one. that out too. I mean, we're all, yeah, almost done with my list. Um, uh, I've got Vel and Clea espionage scene as as my number five. So let's let's do that. Yeah, I have that as well. I called it the steamy underbridge. Uh, yeah, the steamy underbridge. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, this is the most like you know terrestrial Star Wars has been maybe with all this brick and like it yes. does look like a city and they're in the subway, um, but. One, it works for me, and two, it's got the sheen of like '60s spy thriller on top of it. Yep. Um, and yeah, it, it doesn't look as much like Star Wars as a '60s spy thriller, and I don't care. Like, I don't know. I really liked it. I like the walking there. I like their meeting, and also BC. Just thought that that steam that that scene was steamy. Uh, these are both beautiful people who look like real people at the same time, if that makes sense. Um, yep. Which, uh, I don't know, that I like that. <laughs> it does it for me. Um, mm-hmm. And they have this little secret meeting. We don't know if they've 
been involved romantically or not in the past or whatever. But yeah, I, I love this uh, scene, BC. Yeah, I love I love the scene too. And again, the, I'm I'm a sucker for just tracking shots of walking in a wide establishing world. Yeah, and yeah. and the fact like I was like because I noticed the brick like that there's there are there's brick in star wars there's which some i don't think i've ever but this is like really brick <laughs> yeah i'm like that's brick brick yeah it's that's earth like brick. 1970s brick yeah <laughs> um yeah that's human earth brick but i didn't i didn't care at all that it felt like, like to me it's it's the brilliance of what this is doing which is star wars star wars is one thing andor is telling a very a, a very different version of of the Star Wars saga, right? It is that grounded human element of it. And seeing those things, seeing Brick, I was like, yeah, the, of course that there's, on, if you're on the ground level, these are the sorts of things you're going to see. Like the higher up you get, the architecture is going to shift and change, and the, the higher you are on Coruscant, things are going to look different. But as we're in a very sort of, I mean, it is a total spy thriller scene. Like the yeah. way that it shot the dialogue between them. Like I, I love this scene um, of just like, Hey, you're going to have to kill Cassian uh, is like, Oh my God. Yeah. We're, we're like straight up 70s spy thriller at this point. And uh, it, it all starts with just those track, the tracking walk to me of, of those textures of, of the set and the and color. Feeling yeah. Like muted, dark, like I, oh weird to say almost like damp colors and just grounded tingy yeah like grimy gritty like it very much plays into that espionage spy thriller genre perfectly for this scene like again i they they nailed all of those production elements to get exactly what they wanted out of this scene which is like hey that's how things should be done way to go amazing we are being spoiled with Star Wars right now. And the 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 texture that the the costumes add of like guess what? You don't know who Vel is at all. <laughs> like Yeah. You you don't know what's real. Uh you don't know if she's more at home, you know, being out in the field all beat up or, you know, dressed up fancy walking around in the city. You don't know, you weirdos. <laughs> like I love that. Like, oh wow. Yeah. I didn't consider that. <laughs> like I had to do a double take of like is that Vel? I'm so used to our crunchy granola out in the woods <laughs> camp version of Vel. But it's like, of course, if, if she's connected with Luthen in some way, like she probably has access to 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 a higher society and seeing her in this way, it's like, oh yeah, we, we get even more I mean it, it just adds to the the spy throws like we get even more mystery surrounding this character in the context of the scene. Obviously he's like, Okay, now you gotta go kill that guy you just work with. It's like, oh, okay, we got some real, we got some real stuff going on here. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to cool. seeing seeing that. I imagine she'll wind up breaking him out of jail rather than killing him. We'll see. I I think Cassian he's out of jail and at the very beginning of the next episode. Oh, really? No, I don't know. I've been thinking I, about I this. I think I, we have a shot in the trailer that I thought were clone troopers. That I think mm-hmm. is the prison. Um, a lot of orange jumpsuits going down a glass hallway is what I remember. Nice, yeah. I'm I'm worried about our hero. I mean, he's he's left all of his loot up in that shower, uh, <laughs> so we'll see how that turns out. Uh, hopefully, he's able to get his big score back at some point. But uh, yeah, I think I think that will be interesting because he's he's being hunted from multiple angles at this point, which is uh, going to be fun. Yeah. R.I.P. Cassian. Good luck. Good luck getting out of this one, Cassian Andor. <laughs> well, what else you got on your list there, BC? Uh, so speaking of uh, scale and people hunting a Cassian, I wanted to, to shout out our Karn arc. Uh, I started just by saying the the synth music that yeah. underscores Karn in this, and generally the the scoring. Uh, this is by Nicholas Bertel. Uh, the first four episode scores have been released on your music streaming platform, so oh, um, check that out. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a there's a synth drop when he's he's at his new job um, that that just tickled my funny bone in all the right ways. I'm like, we're getting sounds like in Star Wars that 
that we haven't heard before. It's it's on the same level. Like the sounds of the Mandalorian yeah. are are very different too. And it's like, oh, it's such a different tone than like than your usual like John Williams like horns and all that sort of stuff. But it fits the world so well. Yeah. Like I I love. I love the Mandalorian score. I love all yeah, the stuff that happens in that. And this too is again, it's completely it's a completely different sound, but it's got like an an 80s synth wave kind of vibe yeah. to to some of the stuff. And when those moments hit, I'm like, "Ooh, that sounds just right." Yeah, it's for what is in, happening. Sometimes it's really subtle. It's just like one yeah. synth pad kind of building in the back and it's like, "Yep, that's just right." And, yep. and I think and the first episode starts with that. You know, you just got a little bit of that bing, 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 bing kind of in there. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's going to be good. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> this is a this is a nice undertone that's not like, hey, look at me. And then other um, times it is like, hey, look at me. <laughs> Sometimes but, we get that dance track, oh, the, which is a great the, track. And the, I mean, there are times when it is very much, hey, look at me. And the, the one that jumps out is, it's either the end of episode one or episode two. I think it's the second one. It's just like Luthen's coming into town and Cassian's walking on the street. It just like starts like, that thing just starts like slapping. And you're like, oh, yeah, oh, this yeah, is going to be sick. That's like the it's drum. It's like a total beat drop. The drum prog rock yeah. track almost. Yeah. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was that's talking like about the end of this episode, the synth. But yeah. <laughs> the, oh, yeah. Like, on which i've seen all over twitter uh people are like this tracks you know it's, it jams it does it totally it totally <laughs> jams um but i did want to just in addition to that karn moment pull out a couple things that i also loved about karn and this uh that we continue to get him being this small fish in a big pond yeah theme continuing like the the shots of him previously like walking to his apartment was all like look at the depth of the space he's just this he's just this little guy who eats his cereal at his mom's house uh in this larger world who's kind of an embarrassment and a a shameful screw-up relatable (laughs) relatable stuff uh and then it's like okay now he's gonna go to his job where he's just clacking away on a computer i'm like I yeah, this is this is just a this is just a guy, but it's though I think the way they're setting up his story is like it's a slow build to the payoff because he came in with such like such a hot entrance and it was like uh, colossal failure by Cyril Karn has put him back in his place. So like that sort of fall in the beginning to see like. He's obviously on a trajectory that's going to take him back in line with with Cassian at some point is what it yeah. feels like where it's like he's he's now still on the hunt but he is just again it's the scale of it he's one guy in the midst of this huge imperial machine that has no care at all for who he is like and it's visually represented in almost everything that yeah, he has yeah. been doing. Where it's like he's just this tiny little guy walking down a giant hallway. He's just this tiny little guy in a room full of thousands of people love, working love menial set. tasks. Um, I do too. And clearly, that's got you know. There's a lot of CG elements in there, um, but it's blended like a villa a villa a villa villa movie, like that guy who did Dune and played the new Blade Runner. Um, yes, it looks great, uh, and it's just you know, it's super cool. Um, I this this world we exist in with all this like bureaucracy and human processing power like data entry stuff um heather ann campbell who is a comedian writer um she's half of becky drysbell or was bc which when you visited once and we went and saw uh the two lady improv team who like thrashed everyone for 35 (laughs) weeks she was having that too she was like i love i love that in andor we're setting up this universe where it's like um Hey, did you hear the guy who like took over the empire could shoot lightning out of his fingers? It's like, <laughs> shut up, <laughs> give me the spreadsheets. Get the, get back to the Q4 reports. It's like, yeah, Wait. I find that so relatable. Like the way the ISB works is essentially how I do my job, where it's like, 
all right, I need massive amounts of data to find one problem. <laughs> like that's, I imagine what a lot of people do. You know, <laughs> it's it's relate. It, that's what this is. Like it's relatable on a human level, and it's it's not seeking to like glorify anything. Yeah. It's I mean, and and not to like. I don't know. I, I assume we're gonna get to a lot more like righteousness and hero stuff as we as we go along. But right now, it is very like. It's gritty, it's human, it's kind of I mean, it's adult. You know, this isn't this isn't kid Star Wars. It's like, yeah, I can relate to having a shitty job. You know what I mean? Like I can relate to to going through a menial task and I, I like the fact that if if you're if not sympathetic to the Empire, you at least relate to some of the stuff that they're doing in a, on a way. It's like yeah, they just gotta do their jobs, you know. <laughs> like it's like not all of them are just like we are evil for evil's sake. Like it's we have a point of view. It's uh, it's a little fascist, a little imperial, but it's you, you understand why they're doing what they're doing. The show isn't like. We're bad guys, and we're bad guys for being bad reasons. I mean, you get a little bit of the beginning where uh, we get shout out to Yularen coming in oh, uh, sick, and 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 being like, "We're gonna tax the crap out of everyone. We're going to be mean to the native populations and shut down their their regional ceremonies and all this sort of stuff." I was like, "Okay, yeah, I mean, we get it." Um, <laughs> but then in the wake of that, you have people who are like. This is the bureaucracy. Like, all right, well, I gotta go do my job now. This is exactly what the rebels would want us to do, which it turns out it is. But it's like it's not like the majority of the the bad guys are like, hey, I'm 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 just a blanket evil. It's like, no, you're you're a human evil, or a, you're a human bad that has motivations that are to some degree understandable, at least, um, if not you know likable. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> the 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 boardroom scenes um all, all of that i mean the, the politics of that is super fun um i've seen it the, the biggest meme i've seen come out of this episode is like you know the the dynamic in star wars has shifted and it's like a bunch of dudes on a couch looking bored and it's like watching a star wars action scene and then it's they're all excited and it's watching an isb you know <laughs> briefing meeting yeah they're super pumped and it's like yes this is what i've this is what we've needed for years. Of course, action scenes are are boring. Like we've seen, we've had them. a million we've of seen them. them, and they're usually had... very similar. <laughs> we've <laughs> had all of them over and over again. <laughs> we've we've seen like it, uh, I do have the the Dedra and ISB on my oh, on my list. Yeah, me. which yes, we, we've we've already touched a little bit on it, but. Yeah, I genuinely get like psyched. I'm like, oh, we got another ISB scene. <laughs> um, I want to. I want to point out this exchange, which uh, ends with one of my or ends with one of my favorite Star Wars lines of all time. Um, she, uh, Deidre is noting this is regarding all of their like. These are all of the supervisors. I guess is the title. They're in the room. They're talking about you know this is my region or whatever. She goes, do you really think? Um, do you really think the rebels care about the lines we draw on maps? Uh, to which uh, our Partagaz, who's the one who's drawn up the lines on the map, he says, you think the relevance of my work has been supplanted? She says, systems either change or die. His response is, thesis, please. And I was like, <laughs> that's one of the best lines of all time. Where he just goes, thesis, please. And they get into it. Like the, Again, it's there is... There are new thoughts being brought to the table that are, okay, here's the reasoning for why the Empire is doing what it's doing, which makes it so much more interesting than just, like, we're bad. Yeah. yeah we're going to do the bad things. As opposed to, hey, the the sort of infighting and squabbling that we're having internally as, as this own sort of organism as the Empire is is motivating our actions. So the fact that there's infighting about these, uh, you know, lines on the map that, hey, we, we can't be fighting about this. We need to be looking at the totality of what's happening if we want to be the, quote, you know, the, the healthcare providers to the galaxy. We need to stop worrying about my territory, your territory, and start sharing all this information. You get the very real, like, contrast to 
this being like a 9-11 sort of event that leads to the Patriot Act, where it's like, okay, well, now the Empire has the Patriot Act of their own. We're like, hey, we can just access information from everywhere. And she's like, yeah, that's what I did. I just, I, I you weren't giving me the information, so I used the, the Imperial Patriot Act to go and find what I needed. So now I've got proof of, of what I've been doing. Uh, and so Partagas, like, sees what she's doing as being like, okay, this isn't, this isn't the the rules. This isn't the way that typically we've been playing by it by the books, but he recognizes in her that okay, well, if we want to fight, we need to readjust the way that we've been approaching the rebels now because this is evolving. It makes their story so much more interesting when we see them adapting and changing and and growing in their response too, because we're invested in this evil that is hunting down or in pursuit of of our heroes and upping the stakes for what they're doing as opposed to it just being a blanket like we're going after the good guys i don't know with 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 a general mandate i don't know why why would you want all that tension and drama that comes from watching both sides of the plan unfold when you could have a thousand star destroyers (laughs) you're right that was infinitely better (laughs) that was that was much better storytelling (laughs) A million planet killers all killing planets at once. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, I love was, it. I love it, BC. Oh, I love getting yeah. not only the, the full rounded view, but yeah, just like a, a look at the the universe, which I think ties into my final one here. Uh, yes, which is just the uh, the universe feels like it's getting big again rather than collapsing mm. on itself. As we see these little pieces of a larger universe, um, and everyone who is presented as a character is interesting enough and rounded enough to not just be, you know, a one-sentence Wikipedia Wikipedia page entry. You know, it's like, I want to know about each of these characters, and I may not, which is exciting. You know, like, it's nice to see someone and be like, hmm, I wonder what, what their life is like, what they're up to, and then it's gone. Like, rather than everyone, someone's cousin, um, we're jumping back and forth across the galaxy all the time. Um, no, you get the idea that every interaction has its own specific weight and consequence. Um, uh, I love it. And the, these scenes are a big part of it, where it's like, yeah, the... The the idea of the Empire as this massive political organization is way more interesting than just the big space baddies, you know, who are already perfectly big-brothered or whatever. Yeah, it, like, I, you always wonder about, like, it seems like a large organization. How does that work? Yeah. You know, like, that's like, just, like, a, a natural question. Like, grow, like, as a child... The Empire works as like as a visual evil, right? Like yeah. you look at the you look at that and you're like, okay, I understand that that Big Brother is bad. As you grow older, you're like, it seems like it'd be really hard to coordinate all of this <laughs> yeah. stuff across the entire galaxy. Seems like there's probably a story to tell there. And now we're getting that, and I'm like, oh, oh, oh yeah, it's good. It's so good. It gives me a lot of hope for when Thrawn shows up. Um, I was about to say the exact same thing. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Uh, I was like, like can you put, imagine put Thrawn in this? And I'm like, oh. oh, oh yeah, just oh. imagine that big blue guy walking into that that boardroom. My head would explode <laughs> off of my body if Thrawn showed up at an ISB meeting. It would explode. My head would explode. <laughs> oh, man. Because it would, it, like, as much as it would feel like fan service... It would also perfectly fit the entire tone yeah. of what this is to have that dude walk into this scene and be like, okay, you want to talk about strategy? Here I am. Who they better like, not ooh. cast someone's friend uh, in that role, BC, because one thing these ISB scenes really underline is how difficult, uh, or I guess they don't underline how difficult it is, but it is difficult to cast power dynamics correctly in a room full of powerful and ambitious people like that. Um, you you know, to have Thrawn come in and clumsily deliver some lines that people are supposed to respect, you know, or be scared of, and it not land right. It's like, it's like that scene where Andor walks into camp, and I was like, wow, it's incredible that he's Diego Luna can pull that off, because it's a difficult thing to come in low status and establish yourself as high status amongst 
you know, so hard people. Or, a tight-knit group yeah. that's been is very insulated. And I imagine the same problem with Thrawn, if Thrawn were to walk into a, a meeting of already established, you know, people like that and be like, here, I'm going to throw my weight around. It would be an interesting challenge thinking about it from the from the actor's perspective because, one, I mean, you're going to... We'll just get in the weeds about acting. But, like, one, you immediately have the the status because of, like, the military rank of everything uh-huh, that, that yeah. the Empire has. Like, I love the little, like, I've got two blue squares. Yeah, I've yeah. got three blue squares. Well, I've got one that's red. So I'm like, I don't know what any of it means, but clearly, like, it's the more squares, the better. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, but to have him walk in and immediately have, like, okay, well. Oh, well, you mean everyone, full admiral already. Yeah, well, like, having people respond to his status walking in the room that's something you've got to sell to all the other performers. But then you do have to have cast an actor who, one, isn't just going to be like, okay, I'm wearing the costume. People are going to respond to that. But can carry the the charisma and the persuasion and the intelligence that, that Thrawn has. Uh, I think I think would just be a fun challenge as whoever, whoever they do cast. I'm sure that... I mean, I, I know they're kicking around the idea that the guy who voices Thrawn is going to be playing him in the live action. But... Uh, I, whoever ends up being cast, I'm I'm sure they are going to spend. Uh, n- there's going to be some some board meetings about that. I would his imagine his head doesn't look right. But the bumps on his forehead are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they better not get that head wrong, BC. If you if they get his head wrong, so help me God. <laughs> That actor better look exactly like he did in the cartoon shows or they cast it wrong. <laughs> or it's all wrong and Star Wars is dumb and I'm going to watch it and tell you why I hate this. <laughs> cool. 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 That's cool. Cool. That's cool. fine, John. That's, That's what lovely, you want John. to do. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sorry you don't like the shape of his head, John. <laughs> can, can, we, can we change this to a, a podcast where we just imagine if the Beatles were watching Star Wars together? I'll tell you, I'll tell you the way I blew up the Death Star. <laughs> lovely. <laughs> Paul just thinks everything is <laughs> lovely. <laughs> lovely. It's like he's fixing a hole. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, oh, hey. She kissed her brother. Lovely. <laughs> well, not against it. Full on, full on lip lock with the brother. Eh? A little, a little bit of spittle between them. You see. <laughs> we're also we do this podcast and we're both Paul. <laughs> <laughs> if if the Beatles were four Pauls, oh, we'll man. have to double our voices. What a band! So we can get all four of us. I'd love to see them <laughs> argue then, with each other. I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> Uh, last point uh, <laughs> for me. Uh, uh, shout out to Fiona Shaw as Marva, delivering one of the great Star Wars moments of of what it means to love in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Uh, we get the line from Cassian uh, as as they're sort of having their separation, where she's like, "I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I've got the rebellion to fight for here." Um, she says, "He says, I won't." Uh, I won't have peace. I'll be worried about you all the time. Her response, that's just love. And I'm like, ugh, <laughs> gut me. Kill me, Marva. Like, the yeah. the delivery is, I mean, it's those sort of heightened emotional moments can feel kind of weird in Star Wars, but the it's it takes performance to sell that as opposed to, say, some of the tumbling and the tumbleweeds that we get with, uh, with uh, Anakin and Padme where they're trying to, Tell us some idea of love. Like this is a this is a a real moment of like, hey, that's that's what this is, uh, and it is played pitch perfect. Uh, Fiona Shaw, shout out to you, yeah. as Marva. Yeah, big time shout out. Uh, good stuff, BC. Excellent casting and performances. Still <sighs> through the show, amazing writing, amazing production value. Uh, this is I, I'm a feared I'm BC especially because you know there's a lot of talk online about how this isn't being viewed nearly as much as other Star Wars stuff which you know a lot of a lot of reasons for that mostly I blame people being stupid 
Human stupidity. Yeah. Shocking in the Star Wars community. It's amazing to me, as someone who's kind of all in on Star Wars, it's amazing to me that there's like a contingency, a large group of people out there who are like, I only kind of like Star Wars, or I don't care to watch everything Star Wars, but I will watch it if it's about Boba Fett, (laughs) you know, versus like something I'm not really sure about. Um, and then I imagine it's not like there's going to be a huge surge at any point, um, because this is, uh, again, this is like a slow, dramatic show that I guess is it's a smaller audience these days. <laughs> like, this is exactly if, what I want, so I'm trying to savor it, because I know uh, there's not going to be more of it for a long time after season two of this, is what I'm feeling. Anyway. I mean, I, we're get, I think we're getting two seasons and then we're done. Uh-huh. And then we're out, so... Well, I mean, even just tonally from Star Wars totally, going yeah. forward. I, like, this might be a peak from which I don't see another one. I, I was I was going to, yeah, this, uh, there was a, an article on The Ringer that essentially brought up the point that's like, is this going to ruin the rest of Star Wars for me? <laughs> or going forward, you know, because, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, if be, be, I know nothing about who's actually engaging with this other than... The people like we obviously talk about it. We you know we've got a show where we do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know other friends of mine who who have been watching are like yeah this is good. I'm like I can't yeah, convince my friends to watch it. I can't convince them to. <laughs> I'm like, like you I, tapped out at the wrong time. Yeah. I like I'm not I'm not going on my way to be like hey you've got to watch Andor. But I am generally like it is the best Star Wars that's on Disney Plus. Yeah. That's that's, that's what, what I will say. Is like, well, it's it's, it's better than any it's better than The Mandalorian in my opinion. Yeah. It's it's definitely better than Kenobi and Book of Boba Fett by kind of a long shot. Yeah. I I can get people sort of being like, "Yeah, I watched Kenobi, I watched Book of Boba Fett." Fine. But it's like y- you you got to watch this though because it's something completely different. It's adult. It like if you like I mean, not not to get into like the the House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones things, but like if you like those adult sort of sci-fi fantasy shows, this is kind of exactly that. And if you like Star Wars, you'll probably love this. So I'm I'm not giving a hard sell too much, but it's like if people are sleeping on it, then your loss, my gain. Uh, I absolutely love it. So I'm I'm all in on it. Yeah, I'm I'm glad we're getting a season two. I'm glad they. Put that into production. Oh, it's already in the this. works. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're filming yeah. it now. I think. Um, yeah, it's like I- I'm glad that it wasn't like. Well, the numbers are yeah. a little down. It's like because that would no, have been. The... <laughs> what a heartbreak! <laughs> that would <have> <sighs> I would have been crushed. I mean, the word of mouth. Will, I mean, I feel like it's at a certain point, word of mouth is going to be like, "Hey, yeah, you're all sleeping on the best Star Wars that, that you're just not watching." And Disney's going to be like... making Star Wars for forever. So when this is a yeah. cult classic or when it starts to gain that that mass appeal 10 years from now or whatever they'll make something else like it i guess yeah but to go back to your point i am worried about star wars going forward being able to come anywhere close to this yeah like i'm i'm because when we first talked a long time ago on a twitch stream generally about like i think it was the second time we did a twitch stream was like hey here's what's coming out in star wars oh okay yeah we've got Kenobi, cool. We've got Boba Fett. We've got Andor. I don't know. I don't know about Andor. Uh, we've got the uh, the the again the Sith show that's going to be coming out. This was the one that was kind of like brushed aside. Is like I don't know what's. I mean, Andor. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I was. But kind the of fact like, that it is as good as it is is like, yeah, all right. I was really upset about it because I was like, okay, so you're making a show that isn't about a Luke Skywalker or an Obi Wan. But you're still, you still got to throw in, like, we can't start fresh, you know, start from yeah. scratch. I was like, why are we doing this? Um, and I, I don't know, I kind of maintain that opinion of just like, why do we need to go back to where we've been already? Um, until I saw the trailer. And then yeah. immediately my mind was like, oh, well, it looks way better than everything else. So who cares? <laughs> like, I mean, I think generally people are just like... Rogue One fans, I think, are pretty diehard, but it's not like the biggest Star Wars movie. So, Andor just doesn't have the name recognition yeah. of of Kenobi or whatever. It's like, so it's like, okay, I mean, I get that to a degree, but it's like you really shouldn't be sleeping on it just because it's it's the Andor show. It's also the Rebellion. It's the Mon Mothma show. It's it's yeah. all these other. It's the show about the Empire. Uh, you know, it's it's so much more than just the title. 
So, I, yeah, I, I just hope that whatever quality exists in this writing, production, I mean, across the board, everything about this that's been so good can in some way carry over or touch any other Star Wars project that exists. Yeah. It's making me like, not like nervous, but I'm, I'm not as like excited to go back to Mandalorian now. It's like, well, we're going to go back to Volume World, which will yeah. be fun, and we're going to get to see our little green baby friend. He's going to have his little his little myth reel on. Uh, you know, it's like, I don't know. I As much as I have enjoyed Mandalorian, I'm like, I don't know that anything is going to be as good as what this show is tonally for me. No. So I'm concerned. I... I think I'll be excited for Mandalorian when it gets here. I think it's going to have a higher production value than season two did. Um, I could be wrong, but I think they're going to pull out the stops there too. I'm sure it will. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm not going to watch the, the train heist episode of Mandalorian season two, even though I love that, you know, episode and remember loving it. It's got depth and it's got one of my favorite scenes with the Imperial officer. I'm not going to watch that nearly as many times as I'm going to watch this episode of Andor in my life. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just, uh, yeah. but I think I will, I think I'll still be excited about Mando. Um, I don't know, uh, but yeah, I'm just, just trying to savor this Andor BC. We got, we got five more episodes. Um, I'm glad to be getting it. This is a, this is a peak of, of the franchise to me right here. Yep. I, I agree. This is, this is, a top of tier Star Wars. Well, BC, should we record a little bit of hobby talk here? I've got a little bit of hobby talk. I've just finished Star Wars Jedi Academy. Um, Ooh, I finished yeah. that Star Wars horror book, with, which I've read before in the past. I think it's called like Death Troopers or something. It's something that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Hang on. Okay. Uh, just in time for old Halloween. Um, I'll find it. It's called, yeah, it's called Death Troopers, which, terrible name. Uh, Death It n- doesn't really explain the, the book at all. All right. Uh, but, yeah, we can talk about that. We'll be talking top Star Wars. That'll be on our YouTube channel. Uh, anything yeah. else, BC, before we get out of here? Hey, like, subscribe, five stars. Do all those things. You know us. You please. love us. We're the Cargo Bay, and you're our Cargo Baby. Oh, Father, please. Please. <laughs> Bye forever, y'all. Go snuff yourselves.